hey hey welcome back to you good sis pod welcome back here we are i'm kayla i'm alexia Woo! we remembered to do it yeah <laughs> how are you doing sis i'm i'm good um I'm feeling nice and warm and cozy. Like I say all the time, I do not like cold weather. I do not like colder seasons, but I do like being cozy. So I like my sweatshirt and my socks and my leggings right now. And you sound like the video of that girl. Is her name Jessica? Where she's like, I like my hair. I like my haircuts. I like my dog. I don't know. I don't know. You don't know if I've seen that. It's this little white girl and she's doing affirmations in a mirror. And she just names everything. She goes down. She's like, I like my eyes. I like my nose. I like my hair. I like my haircuts. Honestly, I aspire. (laughs) Um, I'm feeling cozy and we're recording this on Wednesday as usual. So I'm ready to eat tomorrow. I've been thinking about that food all week. Mm -hmm. We have enough uh, things on the menu for a seven person family. Yes, it is the two of us. How many Thanksgiving sandwiches can one make post Thanksgiving? We'll We'll find out. (laughs) How are you? You good, sis? I'm good. I'm I'm really proud of me. I feel like I'm on my upswing. Um, definitely not where I need to be, but I feel like I'm on my upswing. And that feels real, real nice, um, especially as we enter the winter. I love the winter, though. I love being bundled and cozy. and mm, But I hate that I can't... Um, I feel like I can't walk anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Or I feel like I'm going to have to shell out a lot of money for like the proper winter walking clothes, which I may just end up doing. <laughs> ain't that um? I have um, to preface ain't that um by saying my ain't that ums ain't shit. Oh man, it's, maybe it's I'm inspired because you know we sometimes just come up with them as we go and yeah. But you know the brand. I mean, yeah. I'm always this. This is what first came to mind while you're giving us James Baldwin quotes. So <laughs> I'm just sticking to my brand. I did. I did look through some James Baldwin interviews for this week. Oh, you I, did? I'm not using one. <laughs> Oh, not Look this at time. that. Not this I time. Know but I roommate. did. I know my roommate. Um, so ain't that on? Here we go. Let's get the politics out of the way because I don't really talk, want because. to talk about that this early in the morning. <laughs> but they're relevant. So let's do them. Here yeah. we go. First story. GSA Administrator Emily Murphy finally signs off on Biden-Harris transition funds. GSA standing for the General Services Administration, which is an independent agency of the United States government that helps manage and support the basic functioning of federal agencies, which I think that definition just makes this story even more ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So here we go. So on November 23rd, Emily Murphy penned a letter to President-elect Joseph R. Biden. This letter came after Biden tweeted that the camp, well, Biden's camp at least, tweeted that the campaign still needs money and donations because the current administration was holding the transition funds. Now me, I'm like, I've never heard of transition funds before. I haven't either. What does this mean? Normally, this is what, my third election voting? You vote for the president, you get what you want, you don't get what you want. If you're me, you mostly don't get what you want, but you're happier with one option than the other. Um, One moves out, one moves in. Yeah, they they have coffee, and then one moves out. (laughs) Yay, transition. Apparently, and this is according to The Guardian, the GSA 
funds allow Biden and his team to access classified briefings, meet with government officials, and it also gives the team access to office space and the funds to play to pay the transition team. So with the GSA's approval, Biden and Harris and their team can move over to government email addresses, receive help from the wow. Department of Homeland Security, and this then protects the privacy of incoming officials. Shit. So the it, the last paragraph basically was like, here's your $7 million. And I say that because it was only the first and last paragraph of this letter we needed. <laughs> According to Representative Katie Porter of California, GSA Administrator Emily Murphy was supposed to brief congressional leadership about why she's been obstructing a smooth transition of power, but she refused to show up. And now she's trying to send the deputy in her place next week. Uh-uh. In the meantime, she penned this letter, which was five paragraphs. As I said, we only needed two, the beginning and the end. The first paragraph was, hi, as GSA administrator is in, is within my jurisdiction to give you these funds. Um, and then the last paragraph is like, here's your $7 million. If you need any help, contact this person, mm-hmm. right? All the paragraphs in between are basically about how she came to this decision on her own, how the executive branch didn't make her do it, how she's dedicated much of her adult life to public uh. service, how she did receive threats, and how she wants Congress to amend this presidential act because she was confused on what to do when this transition was filled with so many legal battles and recounts. On government and letterhead? On government letterhead. Petty. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Petty. <laughs> what? What? Um, because she was confused, right? So we have an administrator of the of the agency responsible for making all this government stuff a little bit easier <laughs> and clear, and she was confused. Wow. I don't know that anyone else has been confused in recent history about things like this. No, but it sounds um, right for this administration. It does. So my ain't that um. I have two. My first one, I didn't find the one I wanted, but... The, the thing is, there are many, 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 no, there are many scholarly articles on white women crying. I was just there saying in my head, many cry white woman, cry. scholarly, like many, like collegiate postdoctoral research papers on white women crying because their tears are weaponized. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she spends three paragraphs crying about how they threatened her pets and stuff mm-hmm. um, because she didn't make $7 million available. And the, everyone was like, on Twitter, when Biden was like, hey, we need money for this because, you know, the election's over, but we still need to do this and we're not getting the money from the administration. Everyone was like, you do know that part of the current problem is that we don't have money, right? Right. Why? What? They said not Biden putting his memo up on (laughs) Twitter. Anyway, I didn't, the article that came to mind when I was like, oh, ain't that, um," like when I said that Uh to myself, I couldn't find that one. But I did find one by Mamta Matwani Akapati, who is now a vice provost at UPenn, um, which is funny because I think that's 45's alma mater. Really? <laughs> I think so. Sure. When she wrote this paper, she was in po- postdoctoral studies at University of Austin, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the name of this uh, study, an essay that I found of hers, says, When White Women Cry, How White Women's Tears Oppress Women of Color. Now, this letter from Emily Murphy wasn't directly about something regarding race in women of color but considering that this is a presidential transition everything you do affects the people 
they're under mm-hmm. not well under the administration mm-hmm. under living under the administration so so in this write-up there are two different case studies right <laughs> like seeing in real time what happens why it happens and the result right one of the case studies under initial observation she says in this case study we have a white woman professional who felt challenged by criticisms of how a particular office met the needs of students of color in this case Susan, I don't know if that's her name or if that's just what she named her. <laughs> In this case, Susan assumed the persona of her office. While it was her office practices that were challenged, she, in a sense, became her office and thus interpreted the critique of her office to be a direct attack of hers. In the d- denial section of this case study, she says... Susan's foundation of denial of the possibility that the office was not meeting the needs of a specific community was an act of toggling between self and office itself, which is a manifestation of denial and systemic racism. So the rationalization is, as she defended her position, she also began to rationalize the status quo of her office. Basically, like there are so many articles like this that reflect directly what's happening with this letter on a presidential level. On a high government level. My second ain't that on for this is actually a speech from the year 1866 by Frances Ellen Watkins Harper, who was the first African-American woman to publish a short story. So she knew her words and she knew that her words meant things. Mm -hmm. She was an influential abolitionist, a suffragist, and a reformer who also co-founded the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs. And the name of this speech was We Are All Bound Up Together. We're in the very last sentence. I don't know if this was the last sentence that came out of her mouth in this speech or if it's just the last one on the write-up I see right now. Uh But the very last sentence is, I tell you that if there is any class of people who need to be lifted out of their airy nothings and selfishness, it is the white women of America. Check your privilege. Check it. I'm so happy to get politics out of the way, but gee, I mean... (sighs) They have their money now. And now, since then, the... Biden-Harris team is like, well, now we have everything we need and the officials we need to talk to are talking to us and blah, 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 blah. It's- so now it's time to press on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you sound ready to go it and consent. It never ends. It never ends. It's a circle. It never ends. I'll a never cycle. Be s- okay, satisfied is the other ain't that um. Of course. For anything we do. For anything, especially all the politics stories. Especially anyway. the politics stories. What's next? Moving on. So Grammy nominees uh, were announced yesterday. Yes. They were. And there is a lot of content. Yes. Ever since. Ever since. Um, leading the way, Beyonce has nine nominations, making her the most nominated female artist of all time. 79 Grammy nominations. Which is, it just seems like impossible to have that many over. Okay. But, wow. 79. 79. Only be how do you how do you wake up in the morning? You know, is it the first thing that runs through your mind? It's not for her. I'm sure it's not because by now it's become a numbing thing. You're yeah. like, oh yeah, another six. Yeah. You know, but she is the what? She's the only female, or she is the top female, but she is behind only two others. Yes, well, she's tied with Paul McCartney. <laughs> I mean, and the only two artists who have eighty nominations are her husband Jay Z. And Quincy Jones. We all know how I feel about Quincy Jones. (laughs) 
Legend. Icon. Legend. Icon. But I mean, what Beyonce's not going to stop. So it's only a matter of time. Only a matter of time. It's next year. Well, the other really. thing is she's not going to stop bringing her husband with her. So they're going to keep co-writing things and getting nominations in the same year. So. Exactly. What if they started competing? Like, I'm going to get just, Who says they don't? just three more. Who says they don't already? Who says they don't already? I'm sure. You know what? Anyway. I don't know. At that point, you just have to be so prideful. Our girls, our nieces, speaking of Beyonce, Chloe and Hallie. They have three nominations. Mm-hmm. Yes, they I do. I wish they had album of the year and as they, one of them. I wish they had their um, quarantine video content award Hello? from the VMAs. That's what they deserve. I wish they had their things. But they did personally thank me for uh, <laughs> listening to Ungodly Hours. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's. I mean, they posted it on their page, but right. I could see in their eyes they mm-hmm. were like, "Kayla, you've played this album out." Okay. And and I and I said, "You're welcome." Did you, you do know. the screenshot? Um, you know, I want to keep it cool, so I just liked it. Yeah, you so you just said it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, well, we're among friends. Oh, okay. Cool, 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 cool. Um, Justin Bieber wants to know why he wasn't nominated in the R&B categories. I'm going to read his Instagram post. Please. To the Grammys, I am flattered. There's no comma there. To the Grammys, I am flattered to be acknowledged and appreciated for my artistry. I am very meticulous and intentional about my music. With that being said, and still no comma, with that being said, I set out to make an R&B album. Changes was and is an R&B album. It is not acknowledged as an R&B album. Is that even a phrase anymore? Which is very strange to me. I grew up admiring R&B music and wished to make a project that would embody that sound. For this not to be put in the category feels weird. Weird. Considering from the chords to the melodies to the vocal style, all the way down to the hip hop drums that were chosen, it is undeniably, unmistakably an R&B album, exclamation point. I want you to know that that sentence had one comma. To be clear, no comma. Very Kanye. I am absolutely, I am absolutely, (laughs) I absolutely love pop music. It just wasn't what I set out to make this time around. I'm going to use that later. My gratitude for feeling respected for my work remains, and I am honored to be nominated either way. So here's my thing. I'm squinting real hard right now. Justin, maybe you didn't set out to make a pop album, but that is what you made. As someone who's not a Justin Bieber fan, I was like, you know what? Let me see. Let me try it myself. Because it's not even a white boy thing. I'm gonna tell you why. This was my journey. I said, "Let me." Let it's me. not. It's not a read. It's. I was it's like, "Let read. me try it. Let me try it myself." So I played the first three tracks, and I said, "This is a pop album." But during the first track, I said, "You know what, Alexia? Close your eyes. Imagine if Usher were singing this. Uh-huh. Imagine if Trey Songs were singing this. Would this still be a pop album to you?" And I said. Yes, because yeah. here's the other thing. I, I don't know who Justin Bieber looks up to musically, but my rant on R&B in, in cases such as this are like going back to Doja Cat at the AMAs, winning R&B soul female Why? artist because her album is categorized as R&B soul on iTunes and in submission to these award Why? shows. Now, R&B... It's, they're two words. It stands for things. It means rhythm <laughs> and blues. Let's just... Hold on. Hard pause. Rhythm and blues. Rhythm and blues. Since it began. That's why it began is because we needed the rhythm and blues category. Rhythm and the blues. That is what it means. Now, there are a lot of black artists who are put into R&B categories because sometimes it's a bit less saturated than the pop 
girls and boys they would have to be up against and envies they would have to be up against. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's what the voters would want to hear them as because they're black or brown and a little bit whatever. Um, but it doesn't mean it's R&B music. Now, Usher is an R&B artist. A lot of the tracks he makes are pop songs. Yeah. If you're just talking about the track itself. Now, they have R&B sensibilities because he's an R&B artist. You know, they have R&B sensibilities in the production of it. Mm-hmm. So, I say that to say, I think Justin Bieber, like, I, I don't know who he looks up to, but I feel like he looks up Chris to Bar- certain art. I feel like he, yeah, he looks up to artists who make pop music, but who are categorized as R&B when it comes to moments like this. Absolutely. I mean, the the leading song that he has on the radio right now is Lonely, which is beautiful. He performed it at SNL, and I literally, like... <clears throat> felt something mm-hmm. but it's not I, i'm doing the same exercise where i'm like okay well if i saw uh cool omarion <laughs> where did that come from if i heard omarion singing this you know yeah. would it be the same but no it's, it's a it's but a pop r&b sense about r&b sensibilities are not the same as being an r&b track right they're not the same and you can have tracks of different little subgenres in one album and one project that's true I didn't listen far enough to hear anything that was, oh, this is an R&B track to me. Or right. even, you know, if uh, if Bobby Brown sang this in, in the 80s, or if Luther Vandross sang this, like, yes. would I hear it as a pop song? Yes. Yes, because the the production of it is pop, girl. Absolutely. It simply is. Put it so, in India Ari's voice. Okay. It wasn't the voice. I was like, let me detach this, because maybe it's just me yeah. not listening to Justin Bieber. No. But... I did then listen to Alan Stone's debut album, and I said, this is a soul album. Yes. Oh, my God. This is a soul album. What an angel on earth. Because if Alan Stone had written this and said, you know what? I thought I made a soul album, and I'm in these pop categories. I feel like I would have been like, you're right, friend. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Um, Justin, I don't know how scholarly you are. I'm questioning it because of the lack of commas. But, like, study (laughs) music. Yeah, I feel like, um, but well, just just because Justin... the just because the drums on the two and the four baby does not mean it's R and B song. No, and I think I think Justin has always had. Um, uh, well, honestly, R and B. I was gonna say black role model, uh, black musician. Yeah, sure. Black musicians that were role models to him in his life since he was, I mean, he's been talking, that's mm-hmm. all he's been talking about this year is how young he came into fame. He was, what, f- f- uh, 10? I don't know. Yeah. Um, But I think because he surrounded himself with those people and those people validate him in a way that I think is fair and just. I think Justin Bieber has had a great career. Yeah. No shade. But uh, I, th- I think that because he's had all of those role models and all of that approval, he's just like, Oh, well, I'm doing the same thing y'all doing, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, Mm -hmm. and they even get the pass just because they're black, Yeah, you know, or just because they sometimes in the category because it's a black artist, but let Justin Bieber's voice have been on it. They would have wanted to put it on the pop category. You know, it's like, it it works. Well, we were kind of talking about this idea yesterday about it kind of being a segregation thing. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah. yeah, Or even how many R&B categories can you make, girl, when you just acknowledge that another genre is being made completely when it comes to certain music. When you put Doja in R&B, you know, like that doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, I had a conversation yesterday about like, that's a music politics thing. Like, where would the voters listen to her more? Where would she be, you know, more in the, in the light? Where Where does she have a better chance of getting awarded? Yeah. What are her, what her listeners look like? Whatever. It's all this politics shit. And I'm like, Sure, it's a politics thing, which then leads me to why, what do these categories mean anymore? Yeah. It's like, how how much weight 
What yeah. do they mean in the first place? Also, when it comes to, like you said, Justin Bieber looking up to and surrounding himself with black artists and the sensibilities of the sounds they're making. I feel like I'm using that word a lot. <laughs> um, when it comes to that, black, black people have created the foundation of ne- all of American music. Mm-hmm. Not to say that pop and stuff are solely American, but like genres that were founded in, and nourished and, and blown up in America Black people are at the root of every single one of them. Like, the banjo is an African instrument where yeah. you're talking about country and bluegrass. Like, I, I, someone told me years ago that there are really two umbrellas of music. There's classical and there's jazz. And anything that's not classical is a form of jazz or a derivative of jazz. Okay. So you think, like, if you think about the production of things, yeah. you're like, oh, that does make sense with the chords and the rhythms and blah, 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 blah. So we're talking about pop as a derivative of jazz, as a whatever. Why are you so hesitant to put black artists in the categories where the the formula is what they're doing exactly why does it all have to be r&b which i think is also why justin bieber's confused he's like i sound like chris brown and chris brown gets put in the r&b categories because sometimes chris brown makes an r&b song but a lot of times it's pop most of the time with r&b influence yes (laughs) like you're confused i understand why you're confused and i'm telling you you should you should no be, need but also (laughs) no need baby you made a pop album yeah yeah and and also too like you're famous you know like like you're doing really really well yeah (laughs) it's another thing that we can talk about later but another thought came to that also there's more grammy news there's more grammy news i mean a lot of upset over um leanna havis the weekend jojo summer walker not being nominated there are a lot of artists who weren't nominated and people were upset but their projects didn't come out in the frame like in the time oh, frame okay of what it takes to be in this cycle of grand yeah, nominations well, then get over it. um but these artists in particular did release oh, in that certain time i see and because some people were like well what about ari lennis and they're like that didn't come out in this <laughs> wrong wrong year as in um, shea butter i guess what maybe maybe singles okay perhaps. okay but um yeah these artists didn't get nods emily king did love emily king you love emily king i do okay still grammy news um i just want to say alan stone i'm single <laughs> that's just my interlude <laughs> i was like yes last night i said i'm gonna just listen to the top of the album make sure i'm not tripping because i love the album and then i ended up listening to the whole thing <laughs> so in more uh more grammy news but also more celebrity speaks um Nicki minaj tweeted about this grammys yes mrs petty boy mom well sorry first i want to say happy 10th anniversary to pink friday because as a former barb it was a holiday to me moving on (laughs) Nicki minaj's tweet from yesterday reads never forget the grammys didn't give me my best new artist award when i had seven songs simultaneously charting on billboard and bigger first week than any female female rapper in the last decade went on to inspire a generation they, they gave it to the white man, Bonnie Bear. <laughs> Hashtag Pink Friday. That sounds like a friend's tweet. You know what I'm talking about. They gave it to the white man, Bonnie Bear. And I love it. I love the bluntness. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love how it's like, went on to inspire a generation. But they gave it to her. <laughs> and she did. I mean, that that Pink Friday was really it. Like, yeah. it really put her on the map. It made her come out of that, like, underground space where you... <laughs> where, where, you where you and Lil Nas X and Kid Fury were living. Do you remember... No, not do you remember. Do you know that I remember clearly 
the day when Nikki was signed to Young Money. So this was even before all the 3,000 features she mm-hmm. did that one year. I remember when she was signed to Young Money, it was announced on her MySpace where I followed her. Anyway. Look at her now. Look at her now. I mean, I don't. <laughs> but between, like, I want to say high school. So I'm going I'm to give you like 20, 2007. Maybe not. Maybe 2006. Probably 2007. Yeah. Through like Pink Friday. Oh, I was a barb. Like setting alarms to go on the internet when I knew a new song was dropping. I would say I was a barb uh, when the movie Pitch Perfect was in theaters. And as soon as it left, (laughs) as did I. (laughs) Journey. All right. That's a lot of Grammys. Moving on to Ain't That Um. Oh, wait. No. Oh, wait. You want to talk about it? Yeah, she didn't lie. But also this tweet is why I don't watch the Grammys anymore, the VMAs anymore. I watch certain performances. But like the Soul Train Awards, the the BET Awards, it's like, I don't know if I've said this on the show, but years ago someone said to me, Ooh, I love this. in studying theater, like you gotta you gotta stop making your art and then expecting a piece of the white people's pie. Like these, these academies, these stuff like that, these academies are academies that were built on awarding music that was created by black people and genres that were created by black people, but the black people couldn't be in the auditorium for some of the awards go watch dream girls you know like <laughs> it, it's just like you're asking for some they don't, they already don't appreciate you the way you need to be appreciated for what you're putting into it mm-hmm. so yeah be insulted that they're not recognizing it because this is a major thing in the industry but it also is, know that and it turns part into a lot but yeah but understand that that's a result of the problem that you knew was there exactly which is why there are a lot of artists there are a lot of black and brown artists who will then go to like other award shows like the image awards or the um like any any latin music awards at all and be like you know what i actually prefer it here because it's people i care about telling me what they think of my music and that they appreciate it right exactly so i'm sure there are politics over there too but at least they don't be lying and telling me doja cat's fucking r&b soul this is why i can't wait to get my first blowny and i like arm i like doja cat's music i'm sorry i do i do Okay, yes, I haven't ate that um um I haven't ate that um. Let me just figure out what it is. Um <laughs> no. No, a couple things came to mind, my goofy ass. A couple things came to mind. One being um it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. Okay. <laughs> because a sermon. I, listen, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Your pop music don't mean a thing if it ain't got that rhythm underneath of it. That's one. Two, a song called I Ain't Got Rhythm, which is a classic, a hit from the Disney TV show Phineas and Ferb. Mm-hmm. A classic of this white man who used to be in a band and now he's a librarian and they go into the library and they try and get the band back together and they're trying to convince him to go back to the band. Mm-hmm. And he's the drummer of the band and the whole time he's singing this song called I Ain't Got Rhythm, but yes. he's like slyly like playing pencils like the drum and it's like (laughs) that's what popped up into mine but for the same that um i think i'm gonna nominate a non-r&b song of my choice from this year which would be my future by Billie eilish it's close enough is bieber close (laughs) is bieber close to where it could have slid in there and honestly black people love Billie eilish but it doesn't mean it's r&b no not at all but it's close enough to that line that blurry line that we're seeing where she could have just slid it right on in there my future is um is and was my summer anthem it will continue to be my summer anthem it is such a good song she released great music this year so 
Those are all my ain't that ums. That's what came to mind. So, moving on. Ain't that um, Chloe and Hallie, forgive me for pronouncing these names wrong. I might. <laughs> I promise I practice, but I might. So there is a best-selling novel called A Suitable Boy by Vikram Seth that has now been adapted to screen by for screen by Mira Nair. Uh, but it's a British-made series, and it tells the story of a college student who's coming of age in North India in 1951. Now, this series uh, is set to air in India on Net on Indian Netflix, but uh, they said no. <laughs> they said no because this British-made series depicts a Hindu girl kissing a Muslim boy with a Hindu temple in the frame. So, the leader of the youth wing of India's ruling and here we go with the with the bad pronunciations already. Bharatiya Janata Party filed a police complaint about this drama. And in this complaint, they named Monica Shergill, uh, who is Netflix's VP of content in India, and they named the public policy director as well. Uh, their name is Ambika Kurana. Ooh, I hope that is correct. You know how I am Ambika about names. Ambika Kurana, I think so. Yeah, Ambika Kurana. So they literally filed a police complaint about this. Um, and they, they, they have a conspiracy theory uh, that infers that Muslims are seducing Hindu women and forcing them to convert to Islam. And this theory is called love jihad. So they're saying that it encourages this theory that women are being forced to convert to Islam and they're pushing that idea. I mean, it's an unproven theory, but it gained popularity amongst a lot of right-wing groups and this specific Bharatiya Janata party. So a cabinet member for the state came out on Twitter and said, I've directed police officers to get this controversial content tested to determine what legal action can be taken against the producer or director of the film for hurting religious sentiments. I have a couple... Uh, nonsensical ain't that ums for this but mm -hmm. more so I feel like more so I just like have uh, I, I, my heart just feels for this kind of situation you know like anyone obviously me being a queer woman this is gonna hit and I just feel for any other area that is uh less progressed in this in this way than we are you know as far what I as mean? censorship as far as censorship as far as um acceptance you know like it, it just like but yeah it just sucks to see i i wish i wish that they were just a, a bit more opening to allowing this kind of content to air just to open up people's minds um again censorship it's just it's all a matter of preference the fact you know? that the police are involved yeah in a media censorship type story filing an official police complaint about a tv show yeah yeah it's it's strange it's strange to me and and i can't really fathom it's one of you know one of one of the few things that gets to be strange to us at least on this level exactly exactly where we are and that's why I, th I think that's why I feel for it so deeply is because I'm like, this is a very real thing that people are going through um, and very real in their country. But I just like can't really fathom it. Grateful for that. But to file a, a police complaint is something. 
Yeah. Something. So, like I said, I have a couple of nonsensical ain't that ums. Uh, one of them just being the sexual between the sexual tension between Sabrina Bryan and the other leader of the troop in Cheetah Girls One World. <laughs> As they do dance me with the can. Dance me if you can. Um because I mean that shit aired. <laughs> that shit aired while they did their little Bollywood number and definitely created some sexual chemistry. Um, but in all seriousness, yeah, it's just it's just something that I felt like we really needed to highlight. Um, I thought of the the little green toy soldiers from Toy Story. To them, it's the most serious thing in the world. And I know religion is deeply serious and deeply involved and deeply it's emotional. Ingrained. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for for most for a lot of for most people really connected to a religion but it, it's those little green soldiers like they militarize getting the slinky dog down to the ground you know <laughs> like, you're killing me that's good that's my ain't that um that's good yeah it's that because you know the com- it's the conviction, you know, and the seriousness of it uh-huh. to the people actually executing the rules and the laws and like that that conviction is real. Yeah, yeah. It's real to them. It seems dangerous. Right. Very dangerous, right. especially and and here's the other thing because I'm not well read on this conspiracy theory that's mentioned in the story. I'm not, yeah. I'm not well read on it at all. So I'm not to say that that dynamic doesn't exist. In any way, but every interfaith marriage or relationship is not a ploy. Yeah, against the state. Yeah, Yeah. if if there's one thing that America has, I guess it's like this freedom of speech. It's like I wish that we could just allow for the content, allow for the audience that it is for to enjoy it. No one else, y'all don't have to touch Mm -hmm. it. You know what I mean? But for the audience that it is for, the people who would who would appreciate that content and that kind of representation on the screen, I really wish that that was. mm, Obviously, we all do. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, church and state are not. No, they're separate on paper in the United States, but they are absolutely not separate. There are no, no, no things in in old laws, new laws, amendments now that are fueled by religious beliefs. Absolutely, absolutely every day. That's why forty seven percent of the country voted for that fool. A lot of it had to do with religion, which is also confusing because. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that was my ain't that almost toy story. Yeah, we're getting riled up. Last story. So, I don't know if you watched it. I watched it. The Fresh Prince reunion. I did not. It looked, Here's the thing. It looked unreal. You must. It's <laughs> so good. The issue I had was that I kept crying. <laughs> I cried before they even started the conversation. Like when the cast got to the set of the reunion, I was crying. <laughs> no. It was so good. No. It was so nice. Um, So the first Aunt Viv, Janet Hubert, she visited the set. Well, first she spoke with Will. And then I don't know if it was that same day or maybe hours later, you know, when Will was, was with the rest of the cast, he said, you know, Janet's here. And... Uh, she wants to sit with you all and meet you all. Um, but Will, there's like, of course, a lot of attention on Will Smith and Janet uh, sitting together and having that conversation. And right. that's a whole story. Ain't that um situation for another day. That's and honestly, whole... I'm, I've always heard about this kind of uh, con- uh, 
rift that they had between them, but I've never known the story. So, so on his, his side of the story is that he never knew the whole story either. Her side of the story is that she was, she let herself go from the show because they offered her a bad deal for mm-hmm. the fourth season. So in the third season, she became pregnant, which is how we got Nikki as a character. But mm-hmm. Janet, the actress, was pregnant. And also there was a lot of discomfort and, and turmoil at home. So she was just, between hormones and home life, not happy on set. But then in the fourth season, they offered her a bad deal, which would have locked her into being in the show and only in the show. Like, not involved in any other projects, oh, but for wow. less screen time and less money than she was originally getting and she was like i'm not doing that yeah so then the rumor became that she was fired and she said i don't understand why you let the rumor cycle that i was fired because i said no to the deal also um what she said with will being 21 2021 at the time yeah. like he was a little shit yeah. to her on set and then the conversations in the years after it's been 27 years they haven't spoken for my entire life wow. which is wild to think of yeah but in those years after it's every conversation about it every whatever it's about what janet did and janet was horrible and she was hard to work with and blah blah blah. she's like well as a woman as a black woman as a dark-skinned black woman mm-hmm. in hollywood you just using the word difficult yeah just using that word difficult she's like i haven't worked and it's yeah it's easy it's 30 years. To follow her easily it's been 30 years especially as he begins to rise as will smith <laughs> as will smith <laughs> sorry i hit my glasses on the mic i just imagined your eye immediately swelling up like shia's for some reason shia. i just saw it just <laughs> my girl <gasps> but yeah that's we'll gonna talk p- about it, that later you said shia i was about to say who was in the same Film uh, yes, me. yes, of course. I'm surprised it's not a full out. Anyway, it wasn't, but I just remember that yeah. happened. Um, so when she did come to the set of the reunion and meet everyone, she and Daphne Maxwell Reed, the other Aunt Viv, uh-huh. they had not met at all. Wow. Before. And I that really goes to show just how ostracized she was right. from the community of Black Hollywood. Because I've never even traveled to LA, but I know theater in New York. The Black community is this. Like, you can meet one of your heroes from your whole life yeah. and then say, have a conversation because it's just like community. Right. And I know of, you know a lot of friends working in LA and they're like, it's like this. Like, Black Hollywood is not huge. It's not. Yeah. Um, and so for them to have never met with or without the context of Fresh Prince, it's just crazy to me. It yeah. really shows just how ostracized she was after that experience. What? They were, I mean, they seemed very happy to meet each other and sit and take pictures. That TikTok they made had me on the floor. Yes, it was so Oh my cute. God. It was too good. It was too good. It was so cute. Um, So, comedian, actress, producer, love, love. Monique, yes, then took to Instagram with the picture of this conversation, just a picture from this conversation between Janet Hubert and Will. It's a video, actually. Um, and Monique's Instagram caption says, hats off to Will Smith for apologizing for what he did to, J-. she said Janet Hubert's, but her name is Hubert. Everybody's Aunt, Aunt Viv. Um, to her career in life when he was young. Perhaps Tyler Perry, who has admitted in private that he was wrong, will follow suit and be man enough to apologize in public like he promised. We'll work on Oprah and Lionsgate a little later. And we've seen this from Monique. Like she she keeps uh she keeps coming out about the unfair treatment yeah. of 
black women, but her specifically too. In the phone call that she and her husband recorded of when Tyler Perry called and apologized, um, that recording, which has been available before, is also on this Instagram post if you would like to swipe in here. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. I think it's about four. Four (laughs) slides. Could be five. you know, I had a hard time coming up with the ain't that on for this, and that's just for organization reasons. <laughs> but just the phrase he was uh, be man enough uh, takes me to he wasn't man enough by Tony Braxton, though that song isn't entirely relevant to the story. It's one of my favorite well, songs. Well, how about I'll make a man out of you, which is what she's about to do. Okay. I'll make an example out of your Okay. <laughs> Almost Don't Hurt Yourself, Beyonce is. Almost. Like, when you play me, you play yourself. Very that Because I'm going to keep saying, because also she's like, you played yourself. She mentions that he got the People's Choice Award award for being the people's champ for his body of work. But she said, tell the truth about a woman named Monique who did nothing wrong and be a champion for the individuals who supported your career for years. Yeah. The black women, all capital letters. Please swipe to hear Tyler Perry say it with his own words. That's also in all capital letters. Yeah. Because the issue is that he's, he's said it in private, but she wants him to come out. At this point, she's forcing him out. I mean... Is she? Because he does. He still doesn't have to do it. He doesn't have to. But, but this is this is a blatant. This is a calling public, him out. Yeah, yeah, call to action. Yeah. So what's your ain't that um? Um, my ain't that um is <laughs> actually gonna be a nod to this little throwaway Porsche she had, where we'll get to Oprah and Lionsgate later. Uh-huh. And it's taking me to the wretched scene with uh, Felicia Rashad and Tempest Bledsoe as Claire and Vanessa Huxtable because Claire is laying into Vanessa and Rudy's on the stairs listening in and she I don't remember exactly which word she yells uh-huh. but it's just like very that black mom just like get your ass upstairs type thing whatever and I just see like Oprah and Lionsgate on Rudy's head yeah. <laughs> just has to run away like, come on create the meme get busted for me you know for being in it later but like right now we talking about fucking Tyler Perry yes it's just the way she threw it away it's now just very like you. Rudy get upstairs like you gotta go and I need you to create up. that um and post it when we do this. great <laughs> just get that video clip and that's all for ain't that um <laughs> okay like so I guess it's time for some I see you. I see you. I love saying that. Who do we have this week? I see you. Our black excellence this week is 26-year-old Taylor Lindsay Noel from Toronto. And these details are from The Star. So when Taylor was 14, she was an Olympic hopeful. She was an elite gymnast working toward the 2012 Olympic Games. But in 2008, she was trying to practice some difficult maneuver move and fell in practice. She's now a quadriplegic. Wow. But she carries herself in a way where it's like, you know what? I'm going to do everything I can to keep my body healthy and keep my mind in tune with my body so that if medicine advances in my lifetime for me to be in a position to walk, I'm ready and able to do so. As far as she's concerned. You know, she's like, as far as I'm, yeah, she's like, as far as, as far as she's concerned, which is also true, Mm -hmm. um, as far as she's concerned, the only gap between her and walking is medical innovation. So she's like, y'all get that together and that moves quickly. Yeah. You know, it's just, she's like, fine, I'll walk again. Amazing. So. While she's not able to use her body in the way she's used, she was used to. Two years ago, she launched her business, which is Cup of Tea. That's T E. 
with which is a high-end luxury organic loose leaf tea company so taylor says that this summer she received an email that was requesting sampling of her teas for oprah's my favorite things list and she thought it was spam so she deleted it <laughs> that's what i would do <laughs> but she said but just in case why not research the name of the person who sent the email so sure enough it was real and overnight she was sending her things to gail wow to gail king and santa barbara um and all of this has led up to her being featured in the thing. And now I th- I believe her tees like come with a, a card now that is like, I'm featured on Oprah's list, which I mean, yeah. honestly, I would put in there too. Yeah. Um, she says there's life after tragedy and that she's hoping to break other glass ceilings. She says, I'm a female, black, disabled, small business owner, and I'm still here. No is not a real word. No is not a real word in the capacity of your life. She says that the journey of just getting to know herself and just being Taylor has been difficult but necessary. And now she feels confident that she will, metaphorically speaking, land on her feet. She also has a tea podcast called Tea Time with Tay. Where she has conversations with influencers over tea. That's amazing. So, Taylor, we see you. you. And now it's time for a break. Hey, Lexi, guess what? What's that? We're not therapists. We are not. But we are making a feast for seven. We are. <laughs> we are. And you, me, and all of our five other imaginary best friends <laughs> can all believe we're therapists on Thanksgiving Day. Great. Um, so what do we have today? Today, for We're Not Therapists, I want to chat about friend breakups. Because that's the thing I know we've both experienced. I know that's the thing that's very difficult. As someone who's never experienced a romantic breakup, friend breakups are the only kind I know. Mm -hmm. And then I've heard that they're largely worse than romantic breakups. In my mind, that makes sense to me because I'm like, you expect your friend to be there during the romantic breakup. So if you break up with them, what the fuck? Right. Like, Like, I'm not sending memes to this nigga, but I was sending memes to you. To you about this. What am I supposed to do with this now? <laughs> Who do I so, send this to? I know it's probably a thing that'll come up over and over again in different contexts here, but I mean, we, I feel like we should start the conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. My first thought no. No. Okay. So, how many, um, how many friend breakups have you had, Lex? How many have you experienced? Two. 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 And I was very shocked by the first one because I had never, I, I had never been the type of person to just lose friends. Now, outgrowing people and losing contact and stuff, but like falling out, even arguing with friends, I never experienced that uh-huh. ever, ever. Also, because I'm a solution oriented person. Same. So if there is anything I have a conflict with, I'll either be like, do I care enough for this to be a thing? Or it's like, here's the solution. This is what I need. This is what you need. Mm-hmm. Or what do you need? I don't know. You know, like it's, I'm How very solution based. Yeah. It's not, it's not a falling out or a thing. So the first time I experienced a friend breakup, I think I was like 23. I didn't even have friend breakups like in high school and stuff, but I was 23 and I had a friend who felt a way about how a mutual friend said something to them not even in person like via typed message like Uh via dm or text or something they had a conversation this friend was upset about it and they told me and i was like okay well have you talked to them like have you told them you know how that came across or that you had more questions or whatever and they they were like no no i didn't because if that's how she feels then blah 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 blah. and i i always say this and do this and blah 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 and they don't and it's not reciprocated and i was like okay but you know, it seems to bother you enough that you want to talk about it. So, you know, 
to talk to them. Especially because this wasn't a verbal thing. Right. This was a text thing. Yeah. Like, just use words yeah. out loud. Um, and they weren't interested in doing that. And I told the other friend, I was like, hey, have you talked to, to so-and-so? Because they seem upset and I'm not really clear on what's happening. And they were like, oh, this is the last conversation we had. And they sent me a screenshot of whatever the conversation was. And I was like, I don't really know what this is supposed to mean <laughs> to me. In the because, <laughs> right, right. So then I was just like, you know what? I, she, she seems upset, but I don't want to to assume exactly why or what she got out of it but you know maybe maybe talk and they're like no i mean if she's upset then she can talk to me and i was like fact that's something i would say right that's the thing so then the other friend i was like you know what still just try and she really wasn't interested she really wasn't doing it and i was like this is a really ridiculous thing to disconnect over because i thought the connection was stronger than that and also the also um the girl who was upset she was the reason why I was friends with the other person. So I felt like it was a through line. Yeah. You know, like there was yeah. a thread between the three. And I was like, wait, what? What's yeah. going on? So I didn't I didn't like that. Um, that friend was upset with me for talking to the other person. Mm-hmm. Which, in retrospect, I'm like, okay, I get that. I get that upset. Like, you just wanted to be mad and vent and talk to me. And you didn't want them to be in it. And if you decided not to be friends anymore over this, no matter how big or small I thought it was, that's your business. Right. But as a friend to both of you, I can't... I had a hard time knowing you were upset and that person was in the dark about it. Right. Or that y'all haven't had a conversation about this yet. That just didn't compute to me. So I understood her being upset about me then taking the information to the other person. But I also it wasn't... It wasn't gossipy. I don't know. I feel like in her reaction to me, she was speaking to me as if I had gossiped about what she said. This she said this and she were really I was like, I'm concerned. Do y'all need to do we need to what's going on? Right. Um, And the way she reacted to me was we're not friends anymore. And I was like, wait. What? <laughs> and then proceeded to post about me, which I also never expected, without tagging, sub, sub, subtweeting. Yeah, yeah. Without tagging me. And I was like, which I didn't even know about until our other friend told me, because she was doing the same to our other friend yeah, about yeah, yeah. the same circumstance, because that other friend was also close yeah. to everyone and was like, hey, what's going on? I'm confused. Yeah. So now neither of us, all three of us are not friends. We're not friends with that person anymore. Wow. And that threw me. Because wow. it felt like such a tiny thing. Yeah. That turned into me losing a really close friend. Yeah. And I was like, were we really that close? Because she was. She had showed up to me in ways other friends hadn't had to before. And then did it like happily. And I knew I knew when it was wearing on her. But she wanted to do it anyway. And was able. To, I was able to have the conversation later with like, hey, you don't have to put yourself in that position again. Like, yeah. I'm glad you did. So we were like close in a very specific way. It was bizarre. This is the, um, if I may, this is the second time that you've dismantled a friend group. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Which isn't an attack. Um, a whole nother story. Honestly. But yeah, yeah. It, that's It's tough, though, when you watch... when. Especially because you were friends with one side of it through another side of it. It Mm -hmm. is so tough to watch that kind of fizzle out and fall apart. And you, Lex, have always been someone who is like, but our connection is stronger than this. Yeah. Um, It would be just because it's going to be brought up in this segment anyway. 
Lex and I, when we first met, we had a really strong friend group that felt like family and is family. Honestly, we are family, a group of five. And, uh, we were so close and well connected. And then in that group, situations like this happen where shit just gets mixed up. People have falling outs, blah, blah, blah. But Lexi was always in the middle, just like, hey, I'm trying to pull everyone together. If we could all get on a phone call, if we could all, hey, guys, are you still okay? Like texting the group while we're all in like separate chats talking behind people's back. And I was like, Lexi, you're the reason that this group stays together, that it stays tight. We all love each other. Mm -hmm. We're all family. But you're the reason we stayed in constant communication with each other. Mm -hmm. And you having that realization I think is something that um, it was a development for you. Yeah. And like realizing your position as a friend in life. That's true. You, it you was. care. I you never care considered, deeply. I never considered that we, not, not that we wouldn't speak that group, but that we wouldn't speak as often mm-hmm. if I hadn't literally been involved the way I was. Yeah. 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 Literally never considered that. And yeah. I was like, damn, that might be true. But that group fell apart because of a, a friend breakup. It, it, it felt apart twice fell apart twice fell apart twice once once because we broke up you broke up with a friend once because I broke up with a friend yeah um and that is probably the that that when I had when I broke up with a friend in our friend group that was probably the worst friend breakup I've had I've also had two I've definitely had a couple fights with friends but you know me I'm not a fighter Mm -hmm. so it has always been where like I didn't necessarily have the vocabulary to be like, I feel differently and my emotion would take over and it would become a fight or, you know, a kind of emotional response to an issue in the the friendship. Now I've grown growth. I don't fight. (laughs) I don't fight. Yeah. If I do, I really fucking love you. So, so yeah, we had, I had this fallout in our group and um, that one hit me more than I would say the the initial one that I had in the past, mm-hmm. the initial one. That one just kind of fell apart and I was like, eh, you know, people grow apart. But when I had this fallout, it really took a toll on me because I do often think of my closest friends as family, but something about, and I'm just going to be uh, honest about it. I think it was that we were, we are all black and we did feel truly like sisters, brothers, that your cousin's my cousin, your blood, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And it was, and it was having the, the puzzle pieces of each person together that really made it feel like, "Mm, I'm losing more than just a friend. I'm losing, we're losing a lot of pieces, you know, we're losing a lot of narrative because we'd built such a nice, strong little unit, you know what I mean? Um, and yeah, when I had this friend fallout, it honestly, it was, it was, it was sad. Yes. But it too was like you, a moment of, of realization for me where I was like, okay, I can walk away peacefully though, because I know that I stood up for myself, which I seldomly do. And I know I can walk away in peace going, if there's a right and a wrong in this, I was right. You know, I, I'm always one to see someone else's side. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, if there is a right and a wrong in this, I think I think I was right because I still wanted to allow for room for um, a come together, a conversation post the fight. And there just wasn't room for that. And I said, well, you know what? If we handle things that differently, then... 
Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I think the reasonable thing would be to come together after a fight and go, I'm sorry, and here's how we move forward. But because I didn't come and it didn't come timely, I had to keep pushing. Yeah. <laughs> had to keep pushing. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. I mean, it's unfortunate because I still think of this friend all the time, regardless of if you were friends with them or not. I would still think of them all the time. They're such a thread of my life, you know, and I still have so much love for uh, we'll say Tish. I still have so much love for Tish. Mm-hmm. Talk about her all the time. You can attest. Yeah. You know what I mean? But um, but it was just something that needed to happen for my own health. And that is something that I've struggled with for a very long time is being able to not be kind of run over because I have that personality where you could say, uh, Kayla, your shit's all over the place. And if it's not my shit, I'll be like, you're right. And pick it up. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I have that personality. I want to be agreeable. I want to be a peacemaker. Um, but yes, in recent, like last couple years development, I slowly am going, no, I'm allowed to say no here. I'm allowed to say that you're not allowed to do that to me here. Yeah. Um, and if we, and if we disagree on that, then we disagree on that because I seldomly get those moments. So I'm really proud of them when they happen. So Mm -hmm. it's a weird juxtaposition walking away from a friendship and being, okay with it and proud of it but also still like loving and missing the person yeah yeah the the first one i was more confused than anything Mm -hmm. i was just like what (laughs) like standing in the aftermath like i don't understand anything about how we got here so fast it reminds me of that mr Krabs meme where it's just like blurry around yeah and like what you were saying with right and wrong i think with most with most fallouts, not all, but with most fallouts, no one's 100% right or wrong. Someone's, you're always going to have done some wrong in the situation. And I'm not even saying in their eyes. Yes. Period. You always would have done, have done something wrong. Yes. Someone, and been right in other regards, you know? But yes. if you're not willing to say yes to the wrong and this is what I need to address the right part, then it's not going to work. Exactly. The communication. And in my situation, it was, I said, yes, I did wrong. And they could not say, yes, I did wrong as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And that was on acceptable yeah 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 so that first one left me confused but the the second one the one where we had it in in the same friend group that was the one that exhausted me it exhausted me like when my my um emotional memory of that experience just brings fatigue over my whole system and i watched i watched it happen to you and from the outside you were fatigued yeah it was it was a lot it was because i feel like there were little things and like little communication things that didn't have to be so what's the word I'm looking for I don't know when when I have negative emotions when I have negative emotions I I'm not gonna say I work to be kind because sometimes you're too tired to do that sometimes your brain's not wrapping around being kind Mm -hmm. but I am never unkind intentionally yes that's the thing if i'm unkind it's because i'm being lazy with my kindness it's not because i'm choosing to be unkind right and in this lack of communication there was a lot of unkindness and i said okay well i can't do that but then like you said i'm always the person that's like okay so do you want to review this (laughs) so how do we solve this yeah and then the the disinterest was coming from a a lot of places but it was the communication of it that was really pissing me off it's like we normally do so well communicating even if the answer is no or not right now or blah 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 blah, say that you don't have to then insult me yes like what but just nasty and i think there's a delicate there's a always when you're going through like any kind of hardship with a friend with a close friend i think 
think there has to be that level of mindfulness and almost a delicacy of like, we want to we want to keep the relationship past this. So I have to make sure that I don't say the thoughts that are in my head right now, which may be you're a bitch or, or remember this time last year when you ain't Venmo me $20, you know, like all yeah. these things that come up when you're feeling those kinds of, uh, angered emotions, you have to make sure that you have the filter in place because you care about the friendship. Yeah. So you can't just go spewing off at the mouth anything. Or that way, when you don't have the filter, that friend knows something is wrong. Cause that's another thing. Cause I can see something's wrong and be like, Okay, you need some time. Mm-hmm. You know, you need... But if you're just, like, making a decision to be unkind, I can't no. digest that. It's, I can't... You can't come back I don't, from that. I don't get it. And with one friend breakup... With one friend breakup, we don't really speak. I've, che- I've checked on them, sure. But just be like, hey, I thought about you, whatever. Like, not expecting a reply. And they do. They uh-huh. do. But, like, once a year. Yeah. Once every two years, maybe. Um, but then with the other friend breakup, there was you know, a process of actually trying to mend. But in that conversation, I was like, in that conversation, we were like, you did this. I didn't like it. I did this. I didn't like it. Like, you know, just the the self-awareness and the asking of self-awareness from the other person. But then I also had to be like, I want you to understand that if you do that shit again, don't speak to me. Yeah. Ever. Like I'm in, and I think the most, I think the most, simplistic way to say why that friendship was mendable because it's not the same Mm -hmm. but why it was mendable to whatever it was is because that person was able to because we were able to have those realizations about self but to each other um, without excusing okay behavior because for a little bit there was a bit of excusing going on but that that pushed that push forward i was like you know i was asking this of you and you weren't in a place but had you told me that plainly, I wouldn't have liked it. You're right. I wouldn't have liked it, but I wouldn't have been mean. You yeah. know, like I wouldn't have continued to get in your face and ask yeah. you. Just communicate that. And then you leave a track record. I yeah. mean, this stuff doesn't go away. You yeah. know what I mean? So. And then like the, the other person, they were able to say, you know, um, they were able to say, you know, if I react a certain way and it's not, I'm not going to say not of my character, but it's not the norm for us. They were like, if I'm doing that to you, my real friend, there's a problem. And I'm like, wow, I'm glad you, I'm glad you saw that. Yeah. Glad you saw that. Yeah. But also for them to say, um, when, when we did sit down and, and have a longer conversation, they said, you know, thank you for showing me grace. Yeah. And I was glad you knew what that was because had I been a fighting ass bitch girl I would have tried like I would have if I I've never fought anybody a day in my life but had I been a fighting ass bitch I would have tried oh yeah I would have tried and rightfully so so that those two phrases I was like okay maybe a different place but we're in a better place yes yes and 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 you would have rightfully uh been allowed to try because okay. it was very frustrating. The friends who are fighting friends are ready too. I mean, they're ready. honey, honey. But yeah, those are our friend breakups. We'll continue to talk, of course, because it's a thing that happens. It's a thing that changes how we communicate with every type of friend in in person. Absolutely, absolutely. We're not therapists, but <laughs> and if you're currently going through um, any kind of friend breakup or like anything like that, I mean, we are. <laughs> well-versed in this. We've had it from all angles, truly. And I know we have to speak a, a bit vaguely just because we want to be in this moment respectable. Uh, but yeah, please write in. Please write in and tell us about your friend breakups. 
And that is We Are Not Therapists. We are not therapists, but we are going to be eating tomorrow. Hey, very full out. Very full out. All right. Oh, wow. That's what's next. Uh-huh. I see what you did there. You see? That's cute. I like you it. See? Full out? In the house? <laughs> In the house. When is that coming to Netflix? All right. In yeah. the ha- wait, um, wait. With LL Cool J. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Corey in the house. Oh, <laughs> you said Netflix, and I was that like, might no, be on Disney, Disney Plus. Plus. I no, don't I'm think it's in the house. I don't think it is. Here's okay. Here's a full out. Uh-huh. I need, I need Disney Plus to release Brandy and Mr. Whiskers. I also need them to release uh, Dave the Barbarian. Mm. So I guess that's one of my full outs. My next full out. <laughs> I want to highlight actually two, um, uh, two strong black female influences in my life Mm -hmm. the first one is going to be um the tracy ellis ross (laughs) who released a 10 second video on instagram this week of her at a photo shoot scorpio queen i've watched this video 20 times over 30 times over i keep going back to it it's 10 seconds long and all it is is her in a black leotard she's wearing like black almost fishnet like sheer tights and these long like knee-high black heeled boots she's sitting in a regular ass chair foldable chair and she's holding a wide tooth comb and she's essentially dancing on this photo shoot set in the chair but it's like modern contemporary very slow movement so that you can get model-esque angles you can Mm -hmm. tell it's just a photo shoot not Mm -hmm. video shoot and she's just doing that slow modeling that tyra tells you about in america's next top model where she's just like you know you slightly change the angles you slight this is where we need a video podcast Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you slightly change the angles and you just slowly move it is as but it is it is um it's inspired, you know, like I was going to say it's although this woman has been working, doing this all her life, but she has, she literally has. And she has learned how to model on the set of a photo shoot, which is always something that I've wondered about. I'm like, how do people, normal ass people become, well, she's not normal, but how do normal ass people become actors? And then all of a sudden they're doing all of these Vogue and British Vogue and, and uh, Cosmo and all these photo shoot covers. And they somehow are two models. Like not every, Everyone is. Yes. What? I was going to say yes, because sometimes people are photogenic with a great photographer. That's exactly and what I was going to say. Model. Because not everyone is just like instantly photogenic. You don't instantly, because you just because you're a good actor or actress or whatever, does not mean that you instantly are a model. Modeling is hard. Taking a good photo is hard. And this woman has clearly worked that 10 second video shows what a professional she is in a photo shoot setting. Yeah. And it's just a slight, mo- it's slight movement of the arms above her head. And it's just flowy and ethereal 10 second video, orgasmic and a, a lesson in professionalism. Yeah. My second uh, full out is going to be for Mulatto Graham. <laughs> don't, don't do this to me. <laughs> I'm going to destroy you right here. But as I said, strong black female influence in my life. <laughs> so yesterday I had to do all of my Thanksgiving shopping. And I had a huge, huge list of things to pick up because, again, we're cooking for seven. And the only thing that should not that should not have been on this Thanksgiving shopping list but was a personal item for me was animal crackers. Mm-hmm. So here's the deal. I'm addicted to animal crackers. I usually go to the dollar store and I pick up a few bags because they're what? A dollar. At our grocery store, the food town, they're about two forty seven. Mm-hmm. So I'm <laughs> about... 
about. I don't know, somewhere in that range. I don't know, somewhere in there. They're about 247. So I'm at the food town. I'm already prepared to spend money. I'm like, I don't, it's holiday week. I don't want to go over to the dollar store. I don't want to make an extra trip. So I'm just going to pay the 247 for animal crackers. They only had chocolate animal crackers. So I look slightly above a huge old bag of Teddy Grahams. And I love Teddy Grahams. I said, that's going to be a good substitute. So I take Teddy Grahams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Last night, I get my sweet tooth and I'm craving the Teddy Grahams. I pull them out and Lexi starts going on about mixed berry mixed Teddy Grahams. Which I've never heard of and they sound They're orgasmic. So good. They sound good. They sound good. But Lexi was trying to find them. So she Googles the mixed berry Teddy Grahams. They're gone. They're gone. I mean, if you can find us a bag of mixed berry Teddy Grahams, I would love to try it. And Lexi clearly lives for it. But they are gone. So me, being the marketing diva I am, I'm like, you need to make an Instagram and go on the search for mixed berry Teddy Grahams. And us being the businesswomen, entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs we are. Yes. We immediately start coming up with Instagram names. And we go through three in rapid su- rapid succession. I want to say they were, uh, it was mixed bitch. Yes. That's what you started with. She started with mixed bitch, and then I quickly, I quickly chimed in with, um, what was it? God dang it, I don't remember. But the third one <laughs> is how we got to Mulatto Graham. And I went in my room, shut the door, because as we're coming up with these, it's kind of the trail end of the conversation. Right. So I'm walking away. I go in my room. She says, Mulatto Graham. I close the door. I walk across the room, run back across the room, like rip the door open. And I'm like, that's great. That is great. That's great. Because you have Mulatto, mixed, mixed berry, mulatto, my, my Lexi, she's a light woman, Graham, Graham Cracker, Instagram, Mulatto Graham. It is a perfect search for the mixed berry. Teddy Grahams. Teddy Grahams, Graham. Graham Cracker. It is, a, it is a perfect mixed berry Lexi Instagram uh, marketing platform. It really, it's a perfect name for this journey. Here's the thing. I don't even like that little girl calling herself mulatto. I'm not like, even Oh, mixed. we hate it. We hate it. I mean, I'm like American mixed, just in the same sense that you know how many generations ago somebody violated your ancestor. But like, <laughs> I'm not like, I don't know white people in my family. Like, We hate it. We hate it. But it's perfect. I it's feel like I'm not qualified name. to use that. I feel like even though people dis- are uncomfortable and dislike her using it, I am much more unqualified. Two quick ones and my real ones. One- Scotland just became the first country in the world to make sanitary products free. Keep it going. My second full out is for the film project Between the World and Me. Um, The book was already brilliant. And I posted on my Instagram story, I didn't even know how they were going to make these words more powerful than they already were. But they did it. They did it. And it was a bunch of Howard people that did it. Mm -hmm. And it made me very happy. Also... I was watching, and they just, there are many moments where they like flash different photos through it. And I saw some photos that were from my years at, at Howard, because of course the um, Howard folk, Howard author, Howard people. Um, but it, a lot of it takes, a lot of, of the, the narration involves Howard as well. So mm-hmm. they did some of the filming on campus and everything. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh, that scene of Susan Kelechi Watson marching across the yard toward the fine arts building saying the the pieces you know she was assigned of this talking about like the the author Ta-Nehisi Coates 
getting to Howard, but like her opening that and walking across the yard toward fine art saying that I was like, Oh, just a vision, a vision. I am emotionally overcome. I didn't even see it. And I know Oh, she's amazing. She is amazing. I love her so much. Anyway. Um, she also raps. Did you know that? No, but I'm not shocked. Shouldn't be. She's everything is. Um, but there are flashes of photos and there are photos from, of course, some band moments. And I was like, oh, wow, that's from my year. That's from the year I was on the field or whatever. And I saw our captain from the year I did it. And I text her. I was like, Christine, you know you in this movie? <laughs> I see you about three times. And then I went back and I was like, oh, wait, I'm in the picture too. <laughs> <laughs> and like, clearly, it's like yeah. a, it's a, it's a, it's a close up shot on only three girls. And Lexi is right off the shoulder of Christine. But yeah, so that that was fun to see. That was good to see. Your, um, I hope your next HBO time on, film debut. <laughs> next time I'm on HBO is because I'm booked. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm not above you putting that down on a resume, and not because I was fresh out of band camp. <laughs> but um, also toward the end of the movie, they do a montage of uh, black children. A lot of them like black children with their parents. And I screamed. I hadn't paused the movie once. I hadn't turned it down once. I hadn't left my screen once. But when I tell you, I didn't press pause. I didn't pr- look at the timestamp to catch up. I ran straight out. I ran straight out of my room. I said, Kayla! <laughs> and I could Kayla! hear. I knew you were coming for me before you said anything by the way you opened the door. I knocked on the door. I said, Kayla. <laughs> opened. She opened it. I said, Kayla. Shia's in the movie. <laughs> Shia, your best friend. Shia's in the movie. Your best friend. More excited. More excited more for the two-year-old being in the movie than, than my your, your HBO debut. <laughs> I messed it. Well, because, I, of course, I tagged and everything. And so her, her dad reposted both of them, which is the embarrassing part. It wasn't the one where I was like, watch between the world and me, blah, blah, blah. It was both of them. He posted both the, when I'm like, watch between the yes. world and me. And then I'm like, you guys look, <laughs> Shia, <laughs> both of them embarrassing. But, um, I messaged him back and I was like, just thank you for sharing your family with us because all of y'all. It brings just, you so much joy. They're just, it really does. I love them. And then the next day, I, the next day, um, we were in the kitchen and I said, Kayla, I just realized that Sh- Shy and I are in the same movie. <laughs> like I had completely forgotten about my picture. I had completely forgotten about it for a full 12 hours. <laughs> like until I saw Christine, until I saw it on her story because yes, people kept it. tagging her and I was like, Oh wait, I was there too. <laughs> we're co-stars you are i'm obsessed anyway my that was an actual fallout but the one that i really wanted to do today is for judges on british cooking shows Live. because if anything doesn't bring me just like a steady stream of peace and solace or whatever it's my british cooking shows i'll watch every iteration of great british baking show i watch the big family cooking showdown i watched uh crazy delicious just anything I'm not going to say just strictly British, but anything produced in the UK that's about making food, I'm going to watch it. One, because they have funny names for stuff. We have funny names for stuff because it's really the Americans who flipped it. But did you know that most other countries, you know this, I asked you, call arugula rocket. Uh Uh-huh. Why don't we call it rocket? That's so much better. (laughs) 
There is a podcast called Three Nice Things, hosted by Melinda Doolittle, singer, um, author, all of the good things, of course, podcast host. Um, but she was raised by her mom challenging her to name three nice things about her day before she complained about anything so in the nice. day. Um, but the the judges of these shows, ever since I listened to Three Nice Things and and you know like heard of of the idea yeah. and the concept that's all i hear when i watch these shows these judges on these shows on the uk cooking shows mm-hmm. they do the three nice things like that thing can look crazy and they're like they're nice colors and you normally do great flavors this time not so much <laughs> <laughs> it's like a compliment it's, sandwich i love a yes, compliment sandwich it is and they're like well i was excited to hear the idea i'm not so sure it looks so great now but i was excited <laughs> to hear it <laughs> and they just bring me joy and i really enjoy the 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 show's period but like the judging on it is just so funny to me so kind yeah it's so kind even when even when it's frank too though because i mean they're not gonna lie yeah but it's just it's frank but they'll try to point out the positives first they're not trying to create tv off of slandering people this is not like watching hell's kitchen or whatever that is yeah right They'll just really, really try to say something positive first. Or to be like, oh, yeah, when you said this, I was concerned about this, but you pulled it off. And then they bite into it and they're like, you did not pull it off. <laughs> but, but that's okay. Uh, shout out to also, uh, I, I wonder if this is, I feel like it's a British um, a British originated show. But the Great Big Flower Fight, where it's just a flower. Oh, yes. You told oh, me about this. Oh, my God. In the same way. It's yes. just like the the age ranges and all the talent levels, they're all so diverse and they're different. And I think all of the contestants are from everywhere around the world. Mm-hmm. But it has that British feel where, like, the camera's just soft. Everything is really aesthetically beautiful. Yeah. And, like, they're all just, like, very soft And the music's and- just like... Yeah, and all the and all the competitors are like helping each other. Yes. You know, like it's so sweet. I love that. That show has a warm spot. But you know, I don't know how they would do if they competed for money because on most of these shows they can't compete for money because yeah. if it's on a public channel, they can't compete. Yeah, well we talked for, about this with Drag Race yeah. UK. Yeah. So I'm like if they didn't compete for a plate, <laughs> like how would this show go? Right. You know, would they be helping each other? So I'm not sure. Because it's not like it's not like people in the UK are nicer than all Americans. Right. That's not the thing. The dynamics of these shows are very different. Yeah. And I love them. I love them so much. And those are my full outs. Joy. Joy in the quarantine. So on that note, this has been You Good Sis. This has been You Good Sis. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at You Good Sis Pod. Email us at YouGoodSisPod at gmail.com. And also, guys... Please, please, please subscribe. Get your friends to subscribe. Get your mom to subscribe. Rate and review us because it really, really matters. That helps yeah, us. It helps like, people find us. Yeah, it helps people find us and it helps get um, word out there that we just want to check in on some more people. Yeah, it helps us ask more people that they good because some people good. need to be asked. Yeah, seriously, just that. So please rate, review, subscribe us and send us your friend breakups. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you need help with one, if you've conquered one, if you're still working with one, let us know. This episode comes out on Black Friday. I am black and it will be Friday. Oh, yeah. Um, so I thought that we should name a couple of black businesses for people to look up and order from on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. I love that idea holiday. because, two, Black Friday is not going to look the same this year. 
whatsoever, which is why like a bunch of these major stores, the the JCPenney's, the Macy's, they've been doing a quote unquote Black Friday deal all through November, which is a rip off because it's definitely not the same prices as you would get on a real Black Friday. But clearly we can't all pile into stores. So the black uh, shops that I want to mention are online um, and maybe. Uh, maybe they have a, 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 stand, a storefront, but I don't think they do. So um, they're plant shops. So I love Grounded, Shop Grounded. Um, that is a, it's owned by a black male and he has beautiful, beautiful plants. Um, and then Shop The Jungalo, which is a bigger uh, company, but gorgeous, gorgeous materials for your home, gorgeous decorations for your home, plus a ton of plant items they don't sell live plants but tons Mm. of plant items um yeah those are my two and then there's there's a shop called rayo and honey as well that i love which i I think i got about them recently yeah you got my pin yeah i was gonna say i I think that's where i got your birthday pin from i love rayo and honey they have a bunch of cute little um statement either pens or tote bags or things like that and their their statements what they have written on them are so cute i got lexi one that said mama raised a revolution (laughs) <laughs> which is true um so shout out to all of those black ass companies let's see i recently well, in the past few months i've ordered from lily lifestyle look lily lifestyle up on instagram she does that resin art and stuff the yeah. resin art is gorgeous we have coasters from her right now but her instagram is lily lifestyle with two e's at the end um there's cashmere which is k-a-s-h-m I R, I want to say, I think so. and then numeral, Newman, Rom, wow, Roman numeral, numeral eight, which is V I I I. Um, she has a lot of great prints. I have like five mugs from her. I have two a, clutches a from bag. her. Just there's a lot of cashmere. So in this house. so much stuff. Really love them. Um, fourth, it's spelled I V O U R T H. Like Roman numeral four and then we love a Roman four. numeral <laughs> for a lot of great, beautiful, beautiful prints. The one I really need is called a Vivian. So it's like um, Debbie Allen on one side and Felicia Rashad on the other because their mom's name is Vivian. Oh. But it's like a print of their faces and ha- it's great. That is so sweet. Um, yeah, for, uh, Fred actually just did the art for the new Netflix choir series with Pharrell and his uncle making choir stuff like that oh, wow. so he's fancy yeah go to Times Square and see his billboard if you're in New York <laughs> um and then there was one more that came to my mind oh my god what was it oh Beads by Ari Beads by Ari jewelry and Wim Byrie, which is her clothing line by Ariel so the Ari is always A-R-E-E so Beads by Ari Wim by Ari beautiful beautiful product beautiful products we have tracy ellis ross beyonce kelly rowland like all all kinds of people have worn ari's work and every bit of it is gorgeous so support black businesses yes and enjoy your holiday weekend yes and with that happy thanksgiving everyone we out